In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. When was the last time you conscientiously engaged... Is that That's a big word. <laughs> conscientiously <laughs> engaged all your senses. Welcome to GirlfriendIt, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty, and today we're going to challenge your senses into awareness. We have three distinctive guests today that will challenge some of our senses. Uh, yes, First there of all, you have. <laughs> we have Anne talking to us about essential oils and their healing qualities. And we have Pat McCullough, who is the president of Streetlight, and they are rallying the charge to help eradicate child sex slavery. And we also have Rebotto with Mending the Soul. So, okay, speaking of challenges and challenging our senses, Patty, I know that you like to shock people into their senses, not just challenge, but shock them, because you really do live for that shock value. It puts this, like, smile and glee. Okay, I I have to admit that is a true statement, but while we were in Africa, I mean, just literally the last couple weeks, while we were in Africa, you actually threw um, a little shock value my way which I'm sure you took much glee in. And which shock value would you be referring to? <laughs> well, this is definitely one of those TMI um, shock values that's not appropriate to talk about on the radio. Okay, now you have my you have me engaged. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I was um, in the restroom and uh, with with my door locked. Oh, I remember going this. into the I bathroom. Remember this. Yes. yes, and we had quite a few of our new African friends, including those of the opposite sex sitting, like, literally right there in the dining room next to this um, toilet facility. Yes. And all of a sudden, I get this knock, 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 knock because on the door. Because we were packing up, ready to, to pack all our stuff to head home, and I'm making sure – I had your back is what I did. I, I was making I sure <laughs> everything – we were gathering everything to be able to pack, and I saw something sitting on a shelf that I thought was yours. <laughs> yes, and, and this something was called colon cleanse mm-hmm. in a bottle that I had brought for all those in need because um, when you travel sometimes, you, you might need this little magical pill. And even though this is TMI right now, it, that is a hot topic among women because we had a team of eight of us, and it is a hot topic about that when you travel. Yes, yes. yes. And well, so I, I must say your colon cleansing pills were... Quite the hit. <laughs> We're the hit. But I didn't need all of these people, all of our new Kenyan friends, to know that they were such a hit. And I hear a knock on the door, and you bellowing, Patty, is this your colon cleanser? <laughs> and as I whisper back, no, I'm leaving it here at the guest house. 
like to use it who come after us. Yes, yes. And and instead of you just letting it sit on that, you knock again as if you didn't hear me and scream it even louder. Patty, is this your colon cleanser? <laughs> you know, I do like to um, to get back at you sometimes. <laughs> You certainly did. But we had such an incredible time and um, many little uh, shock value, um, so many times. Well, even starting when we left the airport after we had just been picked up, we're driving down the road. and It's it's dark. It's dark, and all of a sudden we see a herd of zebras, and they start crossing (laughs) crossing the road. I mean, there were zebras crossing. And and then we we go and tell our, our friends the next day, um, our new Kenyan friends that uh, this, we just God finds favor on us because we just get into Africa and we see zebras crossing. And what made it even more comical was that they said, well, yeah, that is very uncommon. You might see giraffe crossing, but not zebras. We never see zebras. <laughs> so from that moment on, we thought this is going to be a great trip. Because God put zebras in our path. Yeah. And, and all of our senses were going to be engaged because totally. we did not want to miss it. Totally. Well, it was my first time going to Africa, and I must say, I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the people. I just fell in love with it all. And it was it was one of those trips that I, I actually wake up in the middle of the night, well, because I'm still jet-lagged and sleep-deprived, <laughs> but besides that, I wake up just with these incredible memories of yes. just some of the things that we saw, that we experienced, that we did. And um, I, I know that, I mean, there's so many things that we can say, but um, I know, like, one of them, one of my kind of a bucket list thing has always been to go, like, um, I, I'm revealing too much, but go dance with, uh, like, a bunch of women, you know, that like the tribal dance yeah. and all the sights and sounds and just where well, you're totally letting loose and letting go. Because I think so many times as women we try to be so controlled and we just don't let loose and yeah. just whatever. And so I always watch these women, and when they dance like that, and just like they're so uninhibited and they're so free, and I always go, okay, what would that be like? And that would be so incredible. And it's so out of, out of the box to, to do that. And so I've always wanted to do that, and I kind of got to do that. You did. You definitely were dancing middle stage, um, doing the tribal dance. With the drums. And and you know how much I wanted drums. When we went there, I can be obnoxious, I know, and I said, okay, the only thing I really want to bring home is I want an African drum because I love drums. Not that I can play them, but I'm mesmerized by, like, people that play drums, and so I wanted this drum. So then when we saw these women with the drum and they started um, dancing and singing, I I was in heaven. It tapped into your senses. It totally tapped into my senses. Definitely. And I found myself joining them. Well, what I thought was just phenomenal was the fact that you're seeing, I mean, we were able to go into um, basically one of the world's largest slum areas. It's over a million people that live in this five-mile radius, mm-hmm. and um, these these homes, I mean, they're not even homes. They're just kind of these shelter huts with metal tents. Whatever they can find. Yeah, they whatever together. they can find for protection. They're just piled on, on top of each other. And, you know, your first reaction is just, it's a shock value. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just looking at this going, we have so much, and we are so fortunate. And yet to go in there and uh, just talk and visit in their homes and just see Jesus permeating from them and just coming out their pores to realize we're the ones that have the poverty. We're the ones with the, the, the spiritual starvation. I mean, here they were, maybe if they were lucky to get one meal a day of some rice. And here, you know, we have 
food at, to, to our fingertips. We have more in our trash cans than they have in a week on their plate. Absolutely. And to just go, okay, they were the ones that were blessing us, not us blessing them. Well, and we saw poverty in a whole new level because, like you said, we kind of redefined what poverty is. And I think the amazing thing that, that we all kind of experience is when you would talk to these uh, these people they're really with such joy coming from the inside out. They had huge smiles on their faces. Yes. And externally, when you looked at them, you, you, you would go, there's nothing to smile about in your life right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, our pets live better than these people. Mm-hmm. And that was so convicting. And yet, they, they value relationships, and they just feel like, okay, God takes care of us and provides. And so they, they have this joy. And they were so excited to see us. And you, we were so honored and humbled just to be around these people because – it was it was very convicting because we had to look inside of ourselves yes. and do a lot of reflecting. Yes, and as we were doing a lot of observing. Well, and it was really neat to see how God was just showing us to to go where they are. So many times in America, we expect for everybody to come into our church and we invite them to our place of worship rather than going out. And and one of the things that we did at this women's conference um, that part of their culture is to put this henna. And I, I think I'm saying that correct. It's Hina <laughs> on their fingernails. And uh, so we just thought, okay, this would be a great bonding time, you know, just they for girlfriends. Girl girlfriend it. With yes. Them. And uh, we'll go get this this Hina and put on your fingernails. And, and as I'm sitting there and you are, are doing the drummer dance, you're doing your tribal dance around. Loving and the it. women are just, it's so cool because, uh, many of them are from a Muslim culture, and they're removing their covers, and uh, they're just becoming real, and the walls are coming down. There's just so much vulnerability, and I'm kind of in that panic, freak-out stage because they're putting this henna, and it's almost like a, a, a red mud on my fingernails, yes. and big, huge glop, right. and I'm asking them, so how long do I keep this henna? On this mud packed all over my face. Well, and I, I got to back up here because we had nail polish for some of them. We had this henna for others. And so we as a team are supposed to be putting this on their nails and, and helping them and doing stuff. So some of us are, like, running around the room and trying to make sure. And I, I glance over, and there you are sitting at the table, nice and relaxed, with all ten fingers relaxed, <laughs> sitting on the table, Having Hina put on your on your nails, and I, I just started. They to mobbed me. They said we yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. The rest no. of us are working, and you're sitting there getting pampered. You don't understand. It was not pampering. I well, was I know because we laughed. <laughs> you, we got the last laugh because tell them about Hina. Well, what it does to I, your nails. I knew it as they were putting it on. They were telling me that this Hina, it takes six months. And it, like, literally... It's a it, stain. It's a stain that goes into your skin, and then it just slowly wears off. And I'm, and I'm looking at Hina on your nails right now. They are an yeah, orange color. I kind of look like I've had a really bad nicotine habit. Yes, you they're, do. They're brown and orange, <laughs> and it's all over my cuticles, and it's just not... not. It doesn't look nice. And it, it, that brings me much joy <laughs> to see the Hina still on your nails as the rest of us were working, putting Hina on the women's nails, and you were getting it done to you. Well, I'm asking, now, how long does this Hina stay on my nails and they said oh about five to six months (laughs) and I'm going okay on on your black skin that henna on the sides of your cuticles might blend in on on my milky white skin this is not going to look good (laughs) whatsoever and and I was right so um it it was it was quite the fun time and it was so neat and and my point of that a whole long henna story was that when when you go 
out there. When we bring Jesus out, rather than always waiting for people to come in, awesome things happen. And there was such community and just so much fun with even down to the simplicity of doing henna on nails and doing your tribal dance. Well, and you know what? Really, we need to, we learned that you need to really totally engage all five of your senses um, fully and engage them. Um, and when you do totally engage and immerse in that, um, it, you experience life on such a different, deeper level. And uh, they, they kind of said the senses are the windows of the soul. Stay with us. We're going to continue talking about our senses of awareness. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. I am continually amazed at our bodies and how we were created and how everything just kind of works together. And I know... Um, we talk about this a lot, and your word is kind of holistic as we go into our new year. And just how everything works together, our emotions, our physical, it's all connected. It's not compartmentalized. And a, a year or so ago, I was first introduced to essential oils by Ann Hockman, who is our next guest. And it was amazing because she was telling me things, and I had, I had this pain in my jaw, and, and she, she even told me, I, I'm sensing this because she was touching a, a, a pulse point. And then she gave me this essential oil to put, and it's a natural thing, and it's 
it helped. I was amazed. And it was so, I was intrigued with these things called essential oils. She and needs to work on your voice. I know. Losing it. I am totally <laughs> losing it. I came back from Africa and I'm losing my voice. And so anyway, thank you. I need some oils right now. Do you have any? Um, anyway, I am excited to, to introduce Anne and have um, her talk with us about these things called essential oils. Anne, are you there? So I feel like I'm talking to you. Oh, hello. Hey, Hey, Patty, how are you? We are doing great. And um, as you've been listening to the show, and we've kind of been talking about, you know, engaging all of our senses, and one of the, a great way is with these essential oils. Can you just um, just tell us a little bit about essential oils and how you were drawn to these? Uh, Yes. And first I wanted to tell Patty that perhaps lemon oil would take the fingernail polish off of her cuticles. I will try lemon oil. I have been letting them soak in fingernail polish remover and Ooh. not working. So yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, in 1999, my sister, who is a nurse anesthetist, and I also wanted to get in that she has been to Kenya four years on medical trips, and uh, the only the major thing she does is takes the oils and works on people and teaches the women first and then last year the men how to massage using the oils. And it has been amazing the results she has seen to the oils. Um, she has, And she loves the Kenyan people. They are a blessing to her. Aww. So I identified through my sister with many of the things you said in your first 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> but Sue was the one who was first introduced to essential oils, and then she introduced them to our family, and so we all just dove in and bought some, and I used them just for myself and my family for like five years until I started being a reflexologist and massage therapist, and I thought, well, I have these oils, and so I got a desk reference for essential oils that uh, talks about issues, what oils you can use on them, and I started using them, and I was amazed because they actually worked. And when they... Yes, What's been amazing in, in hearing more and more about essential oils is as, as we talk to so many gals who have been abused, be it sexually or physically, we, we're discovering that some of these essential oils are used in this kind of healing process as well, just in how, um, just talking about the, all your emotions. senses and just your emotions, the healing that takes place there. Can you go a, a little bit deeper on, on that? There is a, uh, a gentleman in, uh, known in the oil circles, so I'll call it that. He was a minister and also a chemistry professor in colleges, and he was helped greatly by the essential oils. And so he first wrote a book on the healing oils of the Bible, which is a totally fascinating subject. But then being a chemist, he wrote um, Chemicals of the Oil Made Simple, Chemicals of Essential Oils Made Simple. And in there, he delved into how the oils pass the blood-brain barrier and go in there. And if they have certain chemical constituents, the monoterpenes, um, I didn't look at this page. There's three essential uh, um, constituents that reprogram, they erase, they reprogram the DNA. And he said that is how we are formed into Christ's image. We get rid of all the damage that's been done to us because it is locked in our brain. Our brain stores these, the amygdala portion of the brain stores the emotions in other parts of your body. And so when the oils uh, pass 
through the blood-brain barrier, the brain assigns them to that particular portion of your body, and they start removing the toxins and healing the tissues within the cells and so forth in that part of the body. It is amazing. I will tell you, that's a component I haven't delved into a whole lot. I'm more into the physical portion through my work, but I have read many articles and that book particularly uh, dealing with that, and I have seen people with depression, anxiety, nervousness, things like that helped greatly with the oils, how they uh, level out the body, bring homeostasis to the body. Well, and I know you talked about, like, the sense of smell, how strong that is and what that evokes. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Our sense of smell is greater than um, all our other senses combined. Um, And that's fascinating. It is. The human body has between 10,000 to 100,000 more storage sites in the limbic system of smell than the senses of sight, touch, and taste combined. So when a rapist sometimes rapes a victim, if he wears a particular cologne, he's aware that when that woman smells that scent later on, she will be instantly taken back to that point in time and made re-victimized. So the oils can go in and do their work in the brain and erase that from the DNA and clear that out and reprogram that. They long for balance in the body, and so when there is an interruption or an ebb and flow in that balance, that's what their job is to uh, balance that. That is just amazing. You know, this is just a side note. I I remember reading uh, something about essential oils, how in the early 1900s when the Black Plague was just taking over uh, certain cities, how there were some gangs that would go in and just go into the homes and, and pillage and steal and and the king was curious why these gangs were not getting the black plague. And it was they were using the oil, putting it as a mask, and, and it was preventing them from, from getting the plague. <laughs> it, it was. Yes, back in the 1700s uh, when the towns would have plagues and infect them, um, Buckler's Berry, England is one example they were spared from the plague, and all their other towns close to them, were uh, people were dying in droves. But this town was the center of the European lavender trade. And then there's a, um, a point from history where Hippocrates tackled the plague epidemic in Athens by fumigating the whole city with aromatic essences of plant oils, so the essential oils. Yes, there is um, the uh, story, it's so well known in oil circles, about these thieves and Um, the recipe, we call it, for their formula, because they were from a family of of aromatherapist perfumers. Um, They would burn their clothes each morning that they wore out, but they would douse their bodies with these oils. And the king was desperate to find them for his family's safety as well as to quit this pillaging. And so he got, um, finally, they were arrested He promised them he would not behead them if they would divulge their secret, which they did. And so he did not behead them, but he hung them. And this formula is still in a museum over in England, and that's where it was found. And so um, I only use one company's oils, and in this company they have compiled these oils into a blend called Thieves. And it has been proven to be 99.9% effective against any virus, bacteria, mold, fungi, anything they have brought up against it. They've done tests worldwide on it. 
It's very easily used, and I fumigate it. I um, diffuse it in our home, and I feel like it just kills the germs when we have so many people into our home. And it's called seed. Called seed. <laughs> it is always so fascinating to hear the story behind things, you know, yes. like how it originated. That, that is fascinating. And these oils, like, like seeds, you just, like, would put a drop, like, under your nose or something? I do. Uh, it's a hot oil. It has uh, cinnamon and clove in it, and the oils that I use are therapeutic grade. I mean, they are hot. I had one gal in our church that was going to put some oregano on her skin, and I cautioned her. Well, she thought it would be just fine, and she put it on, and she instantly had to get some oil. When you get an oil, extra virgin olive oil or a good massage oil, and put that over that, it kind of diffuses the heat. It still absorbs into the body. Um, so you can put it with massage oil, like for our grandchildren. Our daughter-in-law puts it on the bottom of their feet and along their spine. You have viruses and bacteria that harbor along the spine. So when you put the thieves, sometimes purification oil also. Lemongrass oil is wonderful for killing staph, MRSA. I play at a nursing home every sixth, sixth Sunday, and so I uh, thieves, they have a thieves hand cleaner, and I put drops of lemongrass in there and put that on my hands. And wow. Just things to keep us protected against the bombardment of bacteria and even toxins in the world today. Well, you mentioned going into the nursing homes. Um, I'm sure you see a lot of um, arthritis. Is there something that you, you help with that, with you know, just in the joints? Yes. I have arthritis in my hands, and I'm a reflexologist. I'm a court reporter. I play instruments, and so everything I do in my life consists of using my hands. And uh, I don't have arthritis anywhere else. There's a supplement from this company called Sulfurzyme. Sulfur is one of the elements our body needs. It's not sulfa, which we are all allergic to, but it's sulfur, and it has MSM, and then it has a combination of oils that I take internally to help the fluids move in and out of the cells more equally so your cells are... Um, working properly, they're expelling the toxins and taking in the nutrients, then they have oils that have a lot of anti-inflammatory constituents in them that you can put topically on your skin. You can put them on topically. You can uh, inhale them, diffuse them. You can put them in capsules and take them internally or insert them. Um, Several ways to use the oils, and one drop of oil can permeate every cell of your body within 20 minutes. It is just amazing. That is fascinating. Well, we only have one minute left. And so we just like, what is something you can tell and leave um, our listeners? I know they can get more information on our website, and you're going to be doing a column called Girlfriend Sense and kind of continually educating people on the oils and, and just some of the great healing qualities that they do. But what is something you could, you could leave our, our listeners with right now that would help them? Probably one of my favorite oils and a simple uh, little tip would be to uh, get some peppermint oil. And I only use one company's oils. They're the only company that I'm aware of that has their oils tested to make sure they have the proper chemical constituents. But peppermint is wonderful. I don't take aspirin anymore. It takes care of headaches. It relieves stuffy noses, sinus congestion. You can apply it over your stomach or take it internally to help with digestive issues. Uh, my, my easy tip for the day would be to start with peppermint oil and just see how that affects your body. Well, thank you, and it's been such a privilege to have you. Stay with us. Pat McCullough.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togginet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell Thursday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, our next guest, Pat McCullough, is the president of Streetlight. And Streetlight's mission is to eradicate child sex slavery through a three-tier strategy of awareness, prevention, and aftercare. So welcome, Pat McCullough. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. It's great to be back with you. I know. It is so great. And you are always just doing so, much, so many amazing things to help really eradicate child sex slavery on so many different levels. And we just want you just to engage us um, in some of the updates of what's going on. Tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about what I know. This is an exciting time for Streetlights because in the last couple months some amazing things have happened. So just kind of give us a, 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 a little overview of what's taking place. Yeah. Well, we we just uh, hired our director of residential services, which is huge. We just received our uh, DES group licensing and uh, are within weeks of opening our doors. Really, there's one last hurdle we have standing in the way, and and it really can't happen soon enough. Uh, A week and a half ago, some of our streetlight team delivered flowers to a mother who really should have been celebrating her daughter's 19th birthday, but instead that young girl took her life this past December. And she took her life because she had 
felt trapped and hopeless due to her years as a as a child sex slave. And I remember carrying her coffin to the grave during the funeral and thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't want to keep hearing stories of girls taking their lives because they feel trapped. And so, you know, we, we can't do this soon enough. We can't get our doors open soon enough. We can't uh, uh, start providing restoration for these victims, these rescued victims, soon enough. Yeah, you know what, Pat? I just read something, and, and maybe this, you know, you never know what statistics where, you, where you're getting the information, but it was saying that the average lifespan of um, someone in, in child sex slavery is seven years. And you're assuming that that seven years is because they either take their life or their life is taken from them. Is that a true statement? Well, I don't know about that statistic. Um, I, I, you know, I couldn't back that statistic, but I would certainly say from what I've seen the last three and a half years that I've been involved in this, that that's, that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have seldom talked to a woman who is over 18 that is in this lifestyle that didn't get started as a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old child sex slave. Wow. Uh, so it, it, it often starts when they're under 18, and then it is an extremely abusive lifestyle. Wow. Well, and you know what? Can you just ex- explain again what's so significant about Streetlight and what you're doing? Because, like you said, you're getting ready to open this facility. Can you explain the significance of that? And not only in our community, but just, you know, in the country, the significance of that? Yeah. Well, I think there's this subtle myth that slavery's ended, and the, the reality is that there's more slaves today than in the history of humanity. The Department of Justice believes that there's somewhere between 100,000 to 300,000 child sex slaves on the streets in the U.S. tonight. Uh, worldwide, there's nearly a million new minors that are trafficked every year, and, and in Phoenix tonight, there's probably somewhere between 200 and 300 child sex slaves that will be raped five or six or seven times. And so it, it really is a reality and, and a horrific crime that's taking place. And so Streetlight's vision is that we could eradicate that, as you shared, through awareness prevention, which, which is to stop the supply and demand, but then also aftercare, where, where when one of these girls is rescued, we could meet her physical, spiritual, emotional, social needs to stabilize her so that she could move on and dream and laugh and hope again. Mm-hmm. And that's why Elise and I are also just so passionate about what, what Streetlight's is doing. I know even... Just previously, before we left to go to Africa, we were at um, at court with you watching a yeah. case that was taking place. And it's just so interesting to see when these pimps finally do go to court, how it, you can't really get the hard evidence, that, that evidence yeah. is to, to get against them. And, and I love just sometimes you can't have the evidence, but at least you bring the support in for these gals that have literally been raped, like you said, over and over and over again. Yes, yes, exactly. And and as you both saw, as you sat in the courtroom, and I've sat in the courtroom on several occasions the past several years, you recognize that this clearly is a slavery issue. Uh, these girls are testifying and sharing the horrific, heinous crimes that is done to them. But, but, but this picture... You know, you'll we'll travel the world, you'll have a huge house, a huge car. That's what was painted for them. But then they end up working, being raped over and over again every night and giving every penny of their money back to this pimp. That's a slavery issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what? It's, it's so significant that we, like you guys uh, do, is like awareness is prevention. And so many times I think um, 
you know, these young gals are so naive because they're at such a vulnerable state. They, they want to be recognized and noticed, and somebody comes up and tells them how beautiful they are, and they're so easily coerced into this. And before they know it, they are trapped in this horrendous lifestyle. But even as, as parents and as moms, we can be aware of this, and so we can be talking with our children and our daughters and letting them know, like, you know, when they want to go to the mall and they think it's just so, um, you know, it's no big deal. And it's like, no, you don't understand who's out there. It goes back to when we used to tell our kids, they're little, you know, stranger danger. Well, stranger danger now yeah. has a different face. And, and stranger danger is kind of charming now. And so how do we, you know, we just need to keep that communication going with our daughters. Well, and I, and I like what you said, stranger danger has, has a different face because um, even seeing that they have young girls that are the ones that they're using to entice other young girls. And that is a message to get out there um, for the awareness. And just recently we were talking to a gal who did start in the sex industry, um, was pulled in at, at 15 years old, and she was saying that now that she's out of it, that she's seeing this increase of the appetite for children and just the spirit of um, just this deceitfulness and depravity. It is a man, complete depravity. And I just thought that was interesting that um, just to be aware of that, that it's just younger and younger children that are are being Well, especially like this weekend with the Super Bowl, that is such a high time um, where you're going to see more activity in this area and just being aware of that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And th- this is why I love working with the two of you. You, ca- I'm, I'm writing madly as you're as you're talking. I love what you said. Stranger danger has another face, and it's so true. Uh, and awareness is prevent. You know, for every one girl that we rescue, our hope is that there would be hundreds that are prevented from ever becoming child sex slaves. And that's why our strategy includes the awareness prevention. And you spoke of uh, th- this appetite for this. It's it's true. If we stop the supply and demand, there would be no need for safe houses. And that's one of the things I'm 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 tired of apologizing for men. I, you know, I think it's time for for us men to step up and be warriors for women rather than abusers of women. I love that warriors for women instead of abusers, and that that is so significant because it, it is it, it's a message for men and it's a message for women and children. And I love that because yeah. I I actually witnessed you doing that, standing in the a hallway of a hotel where there were four gals that have had some horrific things happen to them, and you just said, you know what, I, I just want to apologize just because I'm male right now. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought that it, that was so neat to see that because I think so many women who um, have been abused just need to hear that. And I think just educating men um, yeah. on, on that. You know, so many times, like you said, we're, we're working on – the, the the safe house after they've had these horrific things, but just the, the prevention prior to. Well, and what's so significant yeah. about what Streetlight is providing with the safe house we keep talking about and, and that it's opening soon is there really is no place like this. And you guys really are creating a model in the Phoenix area that can be duplicated in other cities, even across the world. But there are no safe houses. So when these young gals are picked up off the street, they are put in juvie, which is such a horrible message to send to them because instead of being rescued, now they feel like they're the, you know, they're the guilty ones. And so it's yes. what you guys are doing with the holistic approach to healing there at, at Streetlight is just profound because um, you're really helping them 
and with all their senses, like we're talking about today, you know, the, the senses of awareness. But can you address to a little bit, because I know sometimes people hear this and they go, okay, that only really affects that one girl and her family. But can you address how this has so many ripple effects, even in our community and beyond? This, this is not just a crime against one or a family. It is a crime against our society and our communities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, uh, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. And uh, anytime you have heinous, horrific crimes like this, it does ripple, uh, has a ripple effect all, all, all throughout our communities and our cultures, our culture. And, and I think, as you're saying, that this growing appetite, as this um, former victim shared, this survivor, there's this growing appetite for this. There's something going on in our culture. I mean, for, for, for a man to go out and purposefully ask to have sex with a 13 or a 14 or a 15-year-old girl, there's something wrong with our culture. And especially, I, I often say we cannot claim to be a just and stable society when we don't protect our children. Mm-hmm. And when our girls are being raped for profit, we are certainly not protecting them. And so if, if we become a society that knows that this is happening, happening and does not do something about it, it's a dangerous trend for us. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit. We have um, about a minute left. Uh, it always goes by so quickly when we have you on the show. Tell us a little bit more about this abolition fund so our listeners can help out. Well, what we would say is we would love to, to, to recruit and create this movement of modern-day abolitionists. If the average age of entry into child prostitution, according to the Department of Justice, is 13 years old, and if the 13th Amendment, signed by Abraham Lincoln, abolished slavery, we're saying, would you give $13 a month? That's less than 50 cents a day. And if we had 5,000 people giving $13 a month, it would completely fund our direct care costs for these rescued victims. Wow, yeah, that, that is phenomenal. And, and, and I love that you're, it's that paradigm shift to see that this really is slavery because so many times we just think, oh, it's, it's something, you know, prostitution has been around from the beginning of time. There's nothing that you, you can do to make that go away. And it's just it magnifies our ignorance on this subject. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely, and that's why we're calling it modern-day abolitionists. We need another movement of abolitionists like we've seen in the, in the history before us. Absolutely. Well, well, Pat, we only have 15 seconds, and we just want to thank you again just for using your voice in a profound way to get this message out that awareness really is prevention. And we, you, if you're listening, you can go to our website at Girlfriend It. You can see how to get involved. You can see how to click to be a modern-day abolitionist and join the cause. Thanks again, Pat. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. 
Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Renowned and gifted psychic medium, Sylvia Rossi, explores the mysteries of this life, the afterlife, and the unseen world that surrounds us all in the show called Make Contact with Sylvia Rossi, Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central here on Toginet. Sylvia Rossi with her special guests and other fellow psychics invite you to call in and make contact with the world beyond and get answers to your questions. Psychic medium Sylvia Rossi has been sharing her gift professionally for the last 17 years. Sylvia has made it her mission to help individuals and families understand their eternal connection to loved ones that have passed on, bringing relief and comfort to countless souls who have been touched by her gift. She's had the privilege of meeting and working with many psychologists who continue to recommend their clients to her when conventional methods have failed. Now it's your turn to make contact with host and psychic medium Sylvia Rossi. Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right. Well, we said we were going to have some excellent guests on that would impact our senses, and we haven't let you down. (laughs) I've been riveted today. (laughs) We have Rhee Boato, and she is working on the Princess Lost Project. She is with Mending the Soul, and we are so excited to hear what this project is all about. And Mending the Soul works very closely with Streetlight and Pat McCullough, who we've been talking to and helping these women who have been rescued just going through the healing process. So it's really significant, this work. And Ree is a musician. She is a musician. And just real quick, a little bit more about Mending the Soul. This is a nonprofit organization that empowers communities, and it equips the churches, which is just so amazing. So they, they can do the ministry um, to help women that have been abused. So, um, Ree, we are riveted and waiting to hear how you're using your music to also um, heal and just using all the senses on some of these gals that have been abused. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, well, I'm I'm one of the musicians on the Princess Lost Music uh, CD, and um, I've actually worked through some of my own uh, healing from abuse through Many in the Soul. So um, this whole organization and what they're doing with Princess Lost is really close to my heart. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting... Uh, painful and uh, intense work, in a sense. Um, we're kind of in the beginning stages as far as the musicians' involvement, but um, we did have a concert um, on November 6th, and we've got a few more scheduled, and it was just, I don't even know how to explain it. There were some, some survivors, um, 
who had been, you know, exploited, and they were there, and just, I don't even know, I can't even explain what I, what it was like, but there was just so much healing and so much, um, just so much uh, refreshing healing going on in the room, and it was just really uh, intense, I mean, for all of us musicians as well, with our own stories and backgrounds of uh, different types of abuse, and it's just really um, amazing how we're seeing God using uh, the Princess Lost curriculum. You know, Ree, it is so amazing, and that's what, you know, just putting this show together, we were thinking how God uses all of our senses in, in healing, and this just so fit into what you're doing. And just tell us a little bit about your your story and what happened and how you are using music to Because that is so significant that you have your story that you bring to the music, that you bring a message of hope to these to these people. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, I, my story isn't um, a background of sexual exploitation, but um, I actually grew up in a very, very dysfunctional home that's actually considered a family cult. Mm. And um, my father has passed away a couple years ago, but he was uh, never officially diagnosed, but I believe he was a schizophrenic. And um, he basically told us he was a prophet of God and completely misused that kind of spiritual authority in our lives from the time I was as long as I can remember, basically. Wow. And, uh, I mean, really intense, strange mm-hmm. strange things that we believed because we thought my dad was hearing directly from God. Right. And uh, so you can only imagine how much that uh, affects a person, you know, growing up and just insecurities. I was like a closet singer really most of my life. And um, just always, I don't know, it's something that God kind of put in my heart Um that he could maybe use me in music and that he would use my story. I mean, since the time I was about 13. And um, that took a lot of years to really actually work through and sing in front of people. And, you know, it was just like this vision, I guess, that I felt like was there, was put there. And I was just singing in my room for hours and that kind of thing. But, I mean, through through music and through my own um, writings of music, it's just really, I mean, God's used those to bring healing, first of all, to myself. And then, you know, after that, it's it's amazing because, you know, most writers do write a lot of times to bring healing to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing then when you see that turn around and, you know, minister to other people and they're like, you know, crying or they're saying, you know, wow. I mean, someone told me that one of my songs um, really, really um, spoke to them and helped them through, I guess, their own father was mentally ill. Yeah. And... This guy was going through some stuff with his dad, and he just said he kept listening to that song. It was really helping him through that. And it's just like, whoa. I mean, you know, it's you think, I have a story that's so weird, you know, like that. How could it exactly speak to somebody? But, you know, pain is pain, and people people relate to that. So, Well, you know what's so interesting uh, is with your story is so many times victims feel like they've lost their voice, and they, they've been silenced. And it is so cool how God gave you a voice on so many different levels. He gave you the singing voice. He gave you a voice through your writing and your music and how you're being able to use that voice now to bring hope and healing to so many others that have been victimized and abused. And so can you kind of explain to us the process of your healing? I know it's very, like you said, very intense. And whenever you come from 
something like so traumatic like that, it, there's so many layers to it, and it requires a lot of work. And I think that's where people stop. They don't want to put the work into it to, to, for the healing to take place. But can you explain a little bit of your journey to healing that you could use to encourage others that are maybe hitting a, a wall or they're like, this is too tough. Can you just kind of expound on that for us? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I did actually grow up in a... I guess a Christian home, kind of. So, I mean, it was so dysfunctional, and my dad would find a reason to leave churches or whatever. But um, so, I mean, I was kind of in and out of church, but I really feel like I did know the Lord, like from a young age, and I knew He loved me. I had some distorted images and ideas about Him sometimes that He's mad at me and things like that. But um, so, I feel like the healing was a little bit throughout my life, um, here and there through people. I feel that God would kind of bring mentors that were just so important to me because I just didn't have that in my parents. And um, as far as uh, mending the soul, that just, I mean, you know, you kind of think like, oh, I've kind of worked through some stuff already. And sometimes, I mean, it's so easy. I think we all kind of think, oh, you know, it's not like I'm clinically depressed or something, you know what I mean? So you just kind of don't notice. You're not aware of, like, your issues. (laughs) But it's like when I started doing the mending the soul, um, it's like a 12 to 14 week like they meet in small groups in homes and, um, you know, you have a facilitator, trained facilitator. And um, it was just, it really opened up certain things that, I mean, just studying about abuse. First of all, it's like a study of abuse. So you actually understand, you know, statistics and psychological factors and how it affects you. And um, that alone, just off the bat, just kind of makes you feel okay. You're like, okay, this is normal. And I'm feeling, like, super sad about this or that. This is not me whining and just, you know, being an idiot and everyone else is so strong you can just pick themselves up. There's a reason. There's, there's something behind that. Okay, let me learn about that. Let me, let me really look into that. But I think the hardest part is actually going back and feeling the stuff because nobody wants to. It's like it was so painful at the time. Why do you want to dig it up and feel it again? But I think this, the major thing I think that sometimes stunts us from healing is the not wanting to feel it. But we have to feel it because it's going to keep coming back. It will keep coming back, and we're going to feel it anyway. So if, if we go in there intentionally trying to learn and understand it and allowing ourselves to feel those things so that they can be healed and, you know, eventually start to dissipate and hopefully go away, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, I mean, that that's when the healing starts is when we allow ourselves. And that was a hard thing for me because... I think I was one of those people who's like, you know what, I don't want to be those people who's like, everything's my parents' fault and, you know, stunted because of that or something. And, um, but I mean, when I took the Many in the Soul group, that was something that really helped me having kind of the, having your peers, having kind of like the group counseling. I've never done that before. So um, just to hear like your peers kind of um, give you feedback and say, you know, you're telling a story that maybe you've said before. You're like, oh, yeah, my dad used to want to spank me, and I'm running outside the house and hiding down the alley for, like, an hour or two because I'm scared. You know, I'm saying those things, and I know they're terrible, but at the same time, I wasn't necessarily connecting with the emotion of it. So yeah. to see other people in the group that are not paid professionals, they're just your peers, to see them respond with compassion and basically have a normal response to something like that, that, you know, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that happened. And, you know, that kind of uh, a normal response to something like that. 
it really allows you to like actually feel the sadness of it so that you can actually, it's a mourning a loss. So you can mourn the loss and work through it and, you know, allow God to heal that. Well, I have two questions for you, Ree. Did yeah. I, I, I want to know your relationship with your mom, and um, and we only have two minutes for you to give me all this information. And, and also, did you know you needed healing when you went into Mending the Soul, or did you just kind of trip onto that? Um, to some extent, I did, but I didn't know how deep. <laughs> I, I kind of thought I had worked through a lot of stuff, and I think I had, but... It's just a layer after layer, so that's <laughs> just the way it is. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I'm just thankful that God really brought Many in the Soul and the Many in the Soul women and this whole Princess Boss project. I mean, it's just, I don't even know, it's just amazing how God's, like, works that all in with myself, with Amber Hunter and Noelle Barto, the other two girls who have just um, contributed our songs of our own pain and our own stories, and they've just, like, kind of miraculously worked in to the curriculum. Um, there's only one song that we wrote after we knew we were going to be contributing songs to The Princess Lost. The other songs were songs we already had, and they just fit perfectly with chapters. I mean, metaphors, exact metaphors. It was amazing. We were like, wow, this is not us. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know God is, is so in it, and he's using you, and he's gifting you. And how um, how encouraging it's got to be to go, I can make a difference. And I think so many times people, they allow the trauma and um, the hurt at, that's happened in their life to define them, and they don't move past that. And what's, what's so amazing about your story is that you've done the work to get past it and actually to be able to help others in their own journey, to see their own journey, and you can so empathize with them, which is so cool because they look at you and go, okay, if you can do it, I can do it. And that that's a message of hope that needs to get out there. And, Ree, we have so enjoyed having you on the show. And we know you've had a really tough story that you never wished you had, um, but you were transforming what was meant as pain to be transformed as something of hope and healing to other women. So thank you so much for using your gifts, using your voice, and going out there. And if you want more information about Mending the Soul, go to MendingTheSoul.org. And also, check a girlfriend for our updated February newsletter. Can't wait to join you next week. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.